Welcome, this is Jessica Ortner and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 39. I am so happy that you are here. This is an incredibly powerful conversation. I've interviewed some amazing people, and I have to say that there is something extra special about this interview. I think part of it is because this is a message that now more than ever we really need to hear. I spoke with Scarlett Lewis, who lost her son, Jesse, in the Sandy Hook school shooting. I met Scarlett four years ago after the shooting when my brother uh, began to work with her to support her, and we share a bit about that story. But to see the evolution that this woman has made, to see how she took such pain and took this horrific, horrific tragedy and took it and turned it into a reason to choose love. She took it and she turned it into a reason to be active and to create the change that we want to see in, in this world. I mean, seeing her how her voice has evolved and seeing the work she's done, there were moments when I was quiet because I was choked up with tears. I think you're going to enjoy this interview as much as I did. And if you do, if you love it, remember that uh, this podcast is an act of love. So if you love it, spread the love. Especially this one has such an important message. If you know any educators or parents, spread this, share this episode with them. So here you go. Here's Scarlett. Scarlett, thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jessica. I love you and your family so much. <laughs> thank you. Well, we love you so much. And we met you because Nick lives in Newtown and I just moved to Sandy Hook. And so we're part of the same community. And as sad as it is to talk about this or to always have to start off with this, but for those who don't know your story, can you share uh, a bit about about your story and, and then your passion? Yes, absolutely. I mean, everything that I'm doing now stems from the events that happened on December 14th, 2012, when an angry young former student actually of Sandy Hook Elementary shot his way through the glass doors of the school and proceeded to uh, murder 20 first graders in, in two first grade classrooms and six teachers and administrators in one of the worst mass shootings in U.S. history. Mm. So your son was one of those who was killed. Yes. Yes. Jesse was six years old. So Scarlett, can you share about, about that day and what you began to discover about Jesse you know, days after the shooting? Uh, right. Uh, so we found out that um, that day, Jesse actually stood up to the shooter and saved nine of his classmates before losing his own life. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm so incredibly proud of him, but I wasn't that surprised 
because that is just really kind of how Jesse lived his life, a little bit larger than life, um, very confident, and, uh, and, and always uh, seeming to help other people. So, um, but that's just a beautiful legacy that he has. And really that, that example of courage has really been a guiding light in my own life um, for, for Jesse at six years old to be able to do what he did. You can imagine that uh, in the aftermath, you know, when, when I'm uh, facing grief or having to do something that I find difficult, I think that, you know, he, you know, I, I feel like kind of we're in a mission together to spread and, and, and I'll get into that part, spread a message that he left on our kitchen chalkboard, um, throughout the world. And I always think, you know, he had the harder part of that mission for sure. And so anything that I'm facing in my life is, is not as difficult as what he faced. Mm. So can you tell us about that message on the chalkboard? Yes. So days after his murder, I found a message, uh, a, a little message that he had written on our kitchen chalkboard, three words, nurturing, healing, love. Now he had written those at six years old that, that those three words aren't in, uh, in the vernacular of a six-year-old. They're not something a six-year-old would normally say. They were phonetically spelled uh, because he was just in first grade and learning to write. But I found out that those three words are in the definition of compassion across all cultures. And, uh, and I knew that I would be spending the rest of my life spreading that message. I, I really learned so much from those three words. I mean, I, 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 I realized that that was a spiritual awareness that he had, that he wasn't going to be around for very much longer. But I, I knew that it was more than that, that, that I had to get that message into schools. I knew that if Adam Lanza, for instance, who is the shooter in our situation, if he had been able to give and receive nurturing, healing love, that the tragedy would never have happened. And so uh, I've been spending really, and so we're, we're coming up on the four-year anniversary this December 14th. Um, I've been spending literally the last four years spreading that message of nurturing, healing, love throughout the world. Mm. For those who have been through a situation where they're feeling immense grief and there is this level of just almost unfairness, you know, when something like this hits. And, sure. you know, we can hear from your voice how you've taken this message and you have just embodied it. But for those who feel like they still feel hate over things that have happened and they still feel an immense amount of hurt, which I'm sure uh, may never, you know, as a mother, I'm sure you, you still feel that hurt. But how do we make that love stronger? What would you say to those who can relate in some way to something like this happening and the negative emotions that can creep in? Absolutely. And I certainly understand those negative emotions. And, and you hear the passion in my voice, but it's not that I don't fall back into anger. And I certainly do cry every day. Um, I, I want to make that known. I, I'm on this journey mm -hmm. along with everyone else. But, um, but you know, uh, and, I, and I really have embodied 
Jesse's message. And interestingly enough, I worked with a professor at Western Connecticut State University, and we found that Jesse's message is actually a powerful and profound formula for choosing love in any circumstance. And it's certainly something that I have followed. And I'm going to share this. It's what our Choose Love Enrichment Program for pre-K through 12th grade is based on. And it's this, uh, this formula for choosing love. And the formula is starts with courage, this overarching concept of courage. Um, and then it goes into gratitude. Nurturing means loving kindness and gratitude. Uh, then forgiveness. Healing, so the second word in Jesse's message, literally means forgiveness. And love is compassion in action. So when you have the courage to be grateful, what's the first thing that you would start out with when you're enraged, when you're depressed, when you're mourning? Um, I know for me, the first thing that that uh, actually JT, so JT is Jesse's older brother. He was 12 years old at the time. Um, the first way we started digging ourselves out uh, of our situation was having the courage to be grateful in that dark, dark place. And I remember sitting down with him and making a gratitude list, really, and 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 realizing that we still had a lot to be grateful for. I mean, we we have we have a little farm in Sandy Hook, so we have animals, and we had neighbors bringing warm meals to our door every night. We have um, family. Lots of really incredible family that surrounded us, friends. We have each other. I mean, we had so much to be grateful for. And then this is actually neuroscientifically accurate as well. That actually gives you the strength to contemplate forgiveness. So in in my situation, um, forgiveness was really the key to my resilience. It was something that still maybe a lot of people can't comprehend. But for me, uh, forgiveness was so important for myself. Mm -hmm. um, I, I realized really early on that someone that could have done something so heinous must have been in a tremendous amount of pain himself. And I mean, people who are healthy, they just don't do things like that. And so learning a little bit about Adam Lanza, I realized that that was the case, that he had actually, he he was born, um, you know, perfect or as, as close to perfect as any of us. And he was actually cultivated into what he became by his environment. And, you know, that that included... Uh, well, that included me because I lived in Sandy Hook too, although I never met him. Um, you know, I take my part of the responsibility. I mean, he, uh, he was horribly bullied in school. Um, he cried out for help in, in the ways that, that people, in the ways that kids cry out for help. And that's not by saying, raising their hand in the middle of class and saying, excuse me, I'm having thoughts of self-harm and harming others. Can you please make an appointment with a psychiatrist as soon as possible? I mean, kids don't do that. They act out. They, they 
write things. Um, they, they say things. I mean, for instance, um, Adam wrote a story when he was in fifth grade um, and going to Sandy Hook Elementary. It was called The Book of Granny. And in this story, a witch came to the school and with a broomstick that opened into a semi-automatic weapon and murdered children. I mean, mm-hmm. this was this this thought, this anger, this frustration, this pain was in his head for a long time. And and you know, he wasn't given the help that he needed. He wasn't given the support and so um he wasn't given the attention and it made him mad. And so by understanding a little bit more about, by kind of putting myself in his shoes, I can almost, I I can almost feel anger on his behalf. And so in that way, I feel compassion for him. And, and it's certainly for his mother who, you know, people do point the finger at and say, well, she armed him and that was such a mistake, but she was struggling as a single mother by herself to connect with this child. And, uh, and she, you know, they, they went to the shooting range and that was something that was the one thing that they both enjoyed doing together. And of course she never imagined in a million years, lots of people go to shooting ranges. Uh, she never imagined in a million years that anything like that would happen. And by the way, she paid the ultimate price. He shot her in the face four times before he even went to the school. So um, I'm sorry about that, but that's you know the reality of it. And uh, and so um, as a single mother, I can understand her struggles. Um, and so for that, I feel compassion for her as well. So that's really where my forgiveness came from. And forgiveness, we know, we know through science that forgiveness reduces your anger. Forgiveness increases your immune system. It, re- it reduces depression and anxiety. And uh, it actually elongates your life. I mean, we know so much about the benefits of forgiveness and the benefits for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean that you condone what somebody did. It doesn't mean that you can't hold them accountable. It just means that you give yourself a gift. It means that you cut the cord that attaches you to that pain. And that's really been what forgiveness has been for me. And then moving on in the formula to compassion and action. You know, a lot of times we're taught compassion is empathy. And that's, um, that's actually identifying with someone's pain. And empathy in the brain lights up the same receptors as physical pain. Empathy is painful, mm-hmm. but it's that what I've learned, and actually this is, the, this is the most powerful lesson I have learned in the past four years, is, is that second part of compassion, which is the action component. It's when you actively do something to help ease another's pain. And, and, that, and, and that is basically being in service to others. That's helping other people. And that's what I started to do with my choose love, um, movement is, is live my life in service is, is spread this awareness that even though we can't always choose what happens to us, we can choose how we respond in every situation and we can always respond in love. And, and by, by, by living my life in service, by doing for others, the beautiful thing about that, and of course there's science behind all of this too. This isn't a concept or a theory that I came up with. This is all scientifically researched, but by doing for others all the love and 
and energy and healing that you give out comes back to you. And so this has been such a, a, a blessing and, and, a, and a gift for me because while I'm out there spreading this message, I'm getting it back. So there's the formula for choosing love that I'm, you see how I'm, I am actually living that formula. It's courage plus gratitude. It's the courage to be grateful when things aren't going your way. Mm. It's the courage to forgive, even though the person who hurt you isn't sorry. I highly doubt that Adam Lanza, when he uh, killed himself, um, was sorry for what he did. And then it is the ability, it's the courage to step outside of your own bubble of, of busyness, of life, of career, of of illness, of family, of friends, of, you know, issues, whatever they are, stepping outside of that and doing something to help someone else, which of course turns around and you end up helping yourself as well. That's the formula for choosing love. And I think really, really, um, that's how people can move past hate and anger in their own lives. My mom actually calls the formula a rope. And she says that it's a rope that you can lower down to yourself in the well, in whatever situation or, or well that you're in, you know, like I, I picture myself right after Jesse's murder, just in this deep pit. It was, it was deep. It was dark. And I see the formula as kind of this rope that came down. And the first thing, my first handhold was just having the courage to reach up and do something proactive for myself, which would be to make that gratitude list. And then that gave me the courage to contemplate forgiveness for, for others, but it also includes forgiveness for yourself. And then the last handhold is the ability to step outside of your own pain, because that's when you find meaning in your suffering and, and helping someone else. The other thing to contemplate and to give a kind of a different perspective on, on going through a tragedy, even, even one is, horrific as Jesse's tragedy. And by the way, going out and speaking to people and being vulnerable in front of people, I'm sure that you've experienced this too, Jessica, people want to share their stories with you. Yes. And the stories that I've heard um, really are, are make mine not look like a walk in the park, but I mean, my God, I cannot believe the things that people endure in their lives. And just to give a little bit of different perspective, another thing that I've learned is, um, you know, I, I remember um, when I was first, I got the first call on December 14th and they said, uh, you know, somebody, one of my coworkers said, gosh, there's been a shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary. Um, you, you guys are supposed to meet at the firehouse or something and, you know, and get your kids there because the school's being evacuated. So of course I'm racing my 45 minutes to school and when I got to the firehouse, couldn't find Jesse, he put his name down on a long list of missing people, never in a million years, thinking that those people were murdered. I started, my mind started working. And of course, uh, I started thinking about PTSD and what would happen if Jesse wasn't, didn't come back, if they couldn't find him, if he was dead. Um, immediately my mind jumps to PTSD because we've all heard of PTSD. Right. Everybody knows about PTSD. My mind jumped there and I thought, and of course, then we go the next step to the worst case scenario. And I thought, oh my God, what if I'm, how is that going to, I know I'm going to be experiencing that. I, I don't know how it's going to manifest itself in me. What if I, what if I'm institutionalized and, 
I, I can't care for my, my remaining son, JT, what, what, who's, you know, how, how is, what's going to happen? And, you know, and, and here's, here's the thing, fewer of us, uh, suffer from PTSD. If you Google the statistics, it's really in the single digits. Um, but the vast majority of us experience something called PTG or post-traumatic growth. Um, and, and of course, very few people have heard of PTG. Um, when I, when I speak in mental health conferences and I'm speaking to 500 mental health workers, never fails. There'll be one person in the front row, one or two people that have heard of PTG. But PTG is what the vast majority of us experience when we've gone through a difficult time, um, a, a pain all the way up to personal tragedy. And, and that is when we grow from the experience. It's when we find strength we never knew we had. It's when we gain a new perspective. It's when we find a purpose like I did. It's when we uh, strengthen relationships or even weed out weak ones. It's, um, you know, I mean, think about it. When do we grow Jessica when it's, it's not when things are going our way and when everything's perfect, because during those times we don't want to change a thing and rightly so, right? It's when we experience pain, it's when we're uncomfortable. Uh, it's when we're suffering. That's when we have to make serious changes in our life. And that's when we grow. So, um, I, you know, and, and part of, you know, I alluded to this, um, choose love enrichment program that I'm offering. That's part of the science behind the program is planting this seed of post-traumatic growth in kids' heads. So it's just an awareness. It's, you know, this awareness that, you know, you're going to go through things in your life. I know parents want to pave the way for their kids so that it can be painless. And gosh, I wish it certainly could be for JT. But unfortunately, we know that things are going to happen. Of course, there's, there's a purpose for pain and suffering too. It molds us. It shapes us. We grow in those circumstances. And, and so really just giving kids that perspective, things are going to happen and, and there's going to be difficulties and challenges in your life, but you know what? There are opportunities for growth. Mm. You're going to grow from them. And here's how, and of course there's uh, there's science behind the fact that when you're mindfully aware of the benefits of something, you experience them on an exponential level. So just making kids mindfully aware of the benefits of, you know, this is why things happen and we grow from them. And so it's, I call it the seed of PTG because I, I have to tell you, if I had had this seed of PTG planted in my head, um, that, that time, that internal dialogue at the firehouse would have gone a little bit differently. It would have been more like this. Oh gosh, this is terrible. Obviously, of course, because even that knowledge doesn't take away the pain and suffering, um, because it's there for a reason. It's there to make us grow. But, but, ah, uh, you know, somebody, this, I remember somebody mentioning post-traumatic growth and they said that when we go through pain and suffering, that it's an opportunity for growth. I wonder how I'm going to, wonder how the heck I'm going to grow from this experience, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so do you see the difference in the internal dialogue? It really takes some of the fear out of the situation and this worst case scenario thing. And it gets you thinking in a different, different kind of mindset. Do you think Though that you, there was a time when you had to be in the pit. Let's talk about the pit for a moment because yeah. that thought, having that seed means that you have the rope, right? Was Which is what your mother says. Right. Um, but, you know, when we're in our grief, 
when what's the process of moving through that or moving or, or taking a step out of that? Do you feel like there's a certain time to be there? Do you think there's something that we should always know so we don't completely lose ourselves? I mean, just that beginning stage, I'm so interested in your insights around that. That's a really great question. And absolutely, it's essential that we honor where we are in the present moment. And I was really blessed to, to work with Nick, your brother, and, uh, and, and, and to have you know him and some other really incredibly insightful healers explain to me that, you know what, this is, this is a very sacred time, especially after losing a loved one in that type of manner. And that, you know, you really, if, if at all possible, you really need to be present to the pain and see what the lessons are in there for you. See, you know, it's a time, it's a time where you're spiritually close to your loved one, your loved one's around. So, you know, you, you, you can, you can, you know, hopefully get messages from him, but also a very sacred time for, contemplation and, and growth and, and, and growing from pain. So, um, I, I really took that to heart and I'm really thankful. It wasn't that I glossed over my pain. Um, I, I was very present to it and, and looking into it and, um, and I, I really, and even now, by the way, I mean, it's been four years and, uh, even now I, I have, you know, times, uh, times during the day, it's not all day anymore, but it's times during the day when I allow myself to go there. If I feel pain, I go there, I, I'll cry. <laughs> and it, mm -hmm. it's almost like if you saw a graph, it goes down pretty deep, but you know what? It comes back up. Yeah. It, 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 it shoots back up. And, uh, and, and so, I just think that that's part of life. It's almost like the it's almost like the forgiveness cycle. You know, people people don't understand forgiveness. They think that, you know, it's it starts with a choice and then, you know, if you fall back into anger that you've failed. Um there is no failing in life, by the way. You know, we're all on this journey and you fall back into anger, you just get you just do it again. You just make the choice again and and you know, falling into uh, you know, really honoring your, your emotions and where you are in the present moment, um, is, is, is healthy. And I still do it to this day. Yeah. You know, sometimes our, our emotions can bring us down, but what really holds us down is the judgments we have about our emotions. You know, that feeling of, I shouldn't be feeling like this, or I'll never be able to get back up. And I love this idea. And I think it's important to educate people around how emotions work and how important it is to have the freedom to feel um, and also to reach up for that rope. I think that fear uh, induces a negative spiral because just kind of um, taking up on what you said, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Oh my God, I'm never going to be getting out of this. It's just going to get worse. And, and so it's that negative spiral that we have when we focus inward Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's, it's really important to honor those feelings, but also be active in, in understanding what your needs are. Obviously, um, uh, really focusing on self care to this day. Um, I, I, I focus a lot on self care. I make sure that my 
needs are met um, through uh, therapy. And and by the way, that's not really traditional talk therapy. Um, the and 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 I and I. I'm a huge proponent of tapping because um, from the very beginning, tapping gave me instantaneous relief. It was, you know, if you can imagine having been through that situation, a feeling of helplessness, hopelessness, um, any, uh, you know, I got to say, I have to say um, the majority of therapist that came, you know, kind of like through the revolving door, um, I saw fear in their eyes. Uh, when they looked at me, they'd never experienced someone who had been in my shoes. And I think they just didn't quite know, uh, how to, how to deal with me. And I thought I really had it in my mind. Oh my God, I'm I'm screwed. Mm. (laughs) I lost, I lost some confidence because I thought if they don't know how to deal with me, but you know what? Um, tapping and I was so fortunate and blessed uh, to be able to tap with your brother Nick um, being able to tap with him I actually found relief and it was mind-blowing to me that I didn't think that that was possible um, but uh, but it but it happened and so I'm, I'm a huge proponent of that and even in schools where kids have this tool that they can use on their own. It's so empowering. And, and the other thing is it works. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and thank you for those kind words. And um, it's been so amazing to see your journey and to be able to support you in spreading this message. I want to ask you, and you've touched upon this already a bit, but about anger, because we're living in a time right now where I feel like many people are angry. They see things that they really want to change. They see um, injustices happening and they want to take that action. And you talk about compassion and action. Do you have any words for those who want to be an activist, who want to, you know, be able to support a cause, but they feel you know, overwhelmed with anger. And and maybe sometimes they don't want to let go of that anger because they feel that anger is fueling them towards taking action. What are your thoughts around that? Well, and by and and I agree that anger can be a productive force in that it can get us to act, right? Mm-hmm. It gets us uh, to make the changes that we need to make in our life. But we know that prolonged anger is not good for us physically, mentally, or emotionally. And, and, and prolonged anger, um, blocks us and gets us into a place of inaction. Um, we can't really, uh, communicate, have positive relationships, um, express ourselves effectively when we're in a state of anger. And so I, I think that actually it's funny because this whole, Choose Love movement started at Jesse's funeral, and uh, I I got up and spoke. And this is about your question about anger. Mm-hmm. And I said uh, this this whole tragedy in my mind started with an angry thought, an angry thought in Adam Lanza's head. At some point, he didn't have the tools and nurturing environment to deal with that thought to understand that. He is not his thoughts. We know through science that every thought 
impacts us on a cellular level. And we also know that each one of us has between 60 and 80,000 thoughts a day. And that 70% of those thoughts are angry. These are just not even like a really angry person. This is the normal person. 70% of the thoughts that run through our head are angry, not productive, and don't serve us. So I said, um, and the whole incredible thing about the fact that this tragedy began with an angry thought is that an angry thought can be changed. So I said, everybody's been asking me, what can we do? And I said, there is something that we, that you all can do for us and for yourselves. Think about what you think about, start to actively be mindful about the thoughts that go through your head and, and please change one angry thought a day into a loving thought. And by doing that, you'll positively impact yourself those around you, and through the ripple effect, you'll make this a safer, more peaceful, and loving world. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, about a week later, the feedback that I got back from that was overwhelming. It had actually changed people's lives to start thinking about what they think about and to change these angry thoughts into loving thoughts. It had changed their lives. So for somebody who is listening and is stuck in anger, Um, and, and anger really, by the way, is a secondary emotion based on fear. I mean, when you say there are a lot of people out there that are angry and they're, they're wanting to be activists a lot, some of that is based on fear, you know, fear Mm. of actually what's going on in the world. And, and I have to say that anything that's any choice that you make that's based on fear looks so different from a choice that you make based on love, even in your activism, right? Yes. Going out there. Love we know is the most powerful universe, uh, powerful energy in the universe. So we know that we're either moving towards one uh, one or the other because everything boils down to either anger or fear. And I'm sorry, fear or love. And anger is a secondary emotion based on fear. So we want to be choosing love within ourselves. So the people that are angry, I think, think that I think it's really important for them to try to first work within themselves, right? I mean, yes, yeah. it's really important to get out there and be an activist and be and and make the changes out there, but we have to first start by being the change we wish to see in the world. And of course, we've all heard that before, but it's so important. And when, you know, going back to when I said I take my part of the responsibility for what happened on 1214, what I'm talking about, I'm talking about my thoughts. I'm talking about my thoughts that in turn engage my emotions, my feelings, my actions. You know, I I haven't always been mindful of my thoughts. I mean, I think I'm, I was a relatively good person, but did I choose love all the time? No. And, and I don't know how far reaching those consequences are. I know that I mindfully choose love now. And I know that within my thoughts and my actions, and I can't, not every thought is loving, but as many as possible. And I'm, I'm personally responsible for that in my life. And I know that by choosing love within myself, I know, and there's science behind this about the ripple effect that you do impact others. And through the ripple effect, you impact the world. That's one way that you can certainly impact the world is by choosing love yourself. And by the way, 
once you choose love within yourself and you have love and you're coming from a base of love, it makes you so much more powerful, so much more confident. There's science behind all of this. Um, it allows you to be an upstander instead of a bystander. And then your message can really get out there in the most powerful way because you've got love behind you. Oh, I want to stand up and start clapping. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you for that. Thank you for that message. And you have been an inspiration and you're doing so much. You've already touched upon the program, but I'd love to hear more and also how we can support you. How can we help in your message? I know we can help right now by choosing love. Um, what else can we do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll talk just briefly about the Choose Love Enrichment Program. This is uh, a program based on everything that I've been saying. The program is, is taught as a formula for choosing love. It's pre-K through 12th grade. It's very comprehensive. It includes social and emotional learning. It includes positive psychology, character values, neuroscience, mindfulness, all of that great stuff. Um, taught as a formula for choosing love, which remember is courage plus gratitude plus forgiveness plus compassion and action. And uh, we've we we used a group of teachers, really dedicated, wonderful, incredible teachers that have incredible social and emotional skills themselves, and understand the need for that in the classroom. And they developed this program, so it's by teachers for teachers. Um, we really listened to what the educators in the school needed. They needed programs that would fit within very small time frames that were very powerful that could help not only their students but them as well and uh, and so this is not a traditional program that's out there but um, but and it also of course brings the element of love into the classroom love is a universal need that connects all human beings it's as important as food and water we all have the the need and want to love and be loved and so this program actually teaches educators and students how to choose love for themselves and for others and so um, this is and by the way it's free it's online it's we're in a pilot phase it's uh, would love for it to be a great resource for people it's free because every child and educator is entitled to this life-transforming and even life-saving information. Um, we know through decades of research, by the way, on social-emotional learning that, that, that social-emotional learning is actually more important uh, to a child's future success than academics alone when they have these social emotional skills. And that's learning how to have positive and healthy relationships. It's self-awareness. It's awareness of others. It's, uh, it's emotional intelligence. It's understanding our feelings and, and how to control our feelings. Um, we know that kids that have social emotional learning skills that are taught to them, by the way, in school, um, are less likely to do drugs, less likely to bully, less likely to have premarital sex or get, you know, get pregnant. Um, they're, uh, they're less likely to be incarcerated. They're less likely to commit suicide. They're less likely to be violent. It's like, this is the social emotional learning um, proactively addresses every issue that we're seeing, but it's, it's different than how we traditionally have our programs in school. I mean, what do we teach in school? We teach 
anti-bullying. We teach drug awareness. We teach sex ed, but we focus on the negative aspects. We teach suicide prevention. Some of these are state mandated. All the schools pay money for these programs. Some of them are good, but statistically, they're not impacting. They do not have impact. Bullying has gone up 21% since we started tracking it in 2003. Opiates use is skyrocketing. There are more people in the U.S. that commit suicide every year than are murdered. So what, what we're doing needs to change. And by, by integrating love, by bringing the Choose Love movement into the classroom, we're, we're addressing all these issues, but in a positive way. So what we're traditionally saying to kids is you can't do these things to feel good, but we're not giving them a positive option. Right, right. right. So choosing love is bringing this element that all kids need and want, even the bullies that come in, really, it's just a call for love. So it's bringing this this knowledge of how to choose love for yourself and others into the classroom. It's bringing, it's setting the intention of bringing love into the school. And it's really incredible because we found that simply setting the intention to bring love into schools changes the atmosphere before you have even started a lesson. It's that powerful. Mm-hmm. So we have this. It's on the website, jessielewischooselove.org. It's free. All I ask is that the educators that go in and download it have a start a relationship with us. We'd love to have feedback. We're in a pilot phase. If you download it, you're part of the Choose Love movement, and we'd love to hear from you. We actually have uh, a community, a Choose Love community educator call that is uh, going to be taking place next Thursday at 6 p.m. So even if you're just interested and you want to hear what people have to say about it that have actually been piloting the program for the last couple of months, join the call and let us know what your school environment is like, what your issues are, uh, and, and what your experience has been. Yeah. Thank you so much. So can you share that website once again? Sure. Absolutely. It's, uh, Jesse Lewis, J E S S E Lewis, L E W I S choose love.org. And I'll also put that in the show notes. Um, Scarlett, if I can keep you for just a few more minutes, I have one more question about this. So I know this is a pilot program and you're spreading it and then, you know, there's going to be a bigger push to get it into more schools. What do you feel like is the biggest obstacle that you guys face and how can other people, so for example, I am not a teacher, but how could a parent who's listening to this or people in the community kind of show support for something like this? Like, you know, what does it take to really make this something that's in every school? Because for me, it's a no brainer, but I also, from having a mother who's a doctor in psychology, who's a school psychologist for many years, I know it's kind of slow sometimes to make these changes within the school system. It's true. I mean, we are doing things a slightly different way and, and it, it does, uh, change does take time, but I really think that what is, you know, you have to think about what the number one issue is in everyone's mind. And, and, and as I've been traveling back and forth across the United States, talking to kids, talking to parents, talking to educators, everyone's number one issue in their mind is safety, Mm. (laughs) right? Um, everybody's thinking about that. Obviously everybody wants to be safe and there are some proactive things that you can do, um, to make sure that your child has the safest environment possible. Number one, 
see if your school has a social emotional learning program. Maybe they do. Um, that you can also, I mean, they can incorporate the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Enrichment Program. It dovetails perfectly into many, many other SEL programs. But social emotional learning is the most proactive and preventative mental health initiative that we have. We know that it increases school and classroom climate, reduces bullying. It is it's the most important thing that you can do for a child's life. Just make sure that your school, ask the question, yes. hey, do you have a social emotional learning program? Oh, really? What is it? Hey, could you, do you want to look at this one? Hey, if they don't say, here's a free resource, maybe we might want to consider this. Number two is uh, I would suggest that everybody go to a website called safeandsoundschools.org. This is another Sandy Hook initiative started by two uh, mothers of victims at Sandy Hook Elementary who have made themselves top school safety experts in the world. They have the top school safety experts in the world on their board, and they have developed a protocol list, um, a safety checklist, basically, that uh, that any, any parent, any school can download and just run through and make sure that uh, that they have the latest safety protocol. Make sure that they've checked off all those boxes. And, you know, when you've done those two things, um, in my opinion, you've pretty much done everything that you can do to ensure that your child um, is safe. And, and, and then you can, you know, move on from that. You know, there's a lot of anxiety, I think, around that. And um, being proactive and taking action steps, we know reduces anxiety. So I would really, that's really um, what I would suggest that, that any educator or parent that's listening do take those steps, actually, you know, ask those questions and, and educate yourself. Wonderful. Well, Scarlett, this has been so amazing, incredibly eye-opening. And thank you. Thank you not just for coming on this show, but for all of the incredible work that you do and this, this amazing enrichment program. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jessica, for all that you do and for choosing love. Mm-hmm.